0: move over here so I can try and talk to everyone. (laughs) Um, So last weekend we began a new talk series called Slow and Strong, um, as David mentioned at the start of the service. So when Caroline was praying for our church for the year, slow and strong is the word that she felt God gave us. It's to do with us journeying slowly and well and in unity rather than in disunity and differing speeds where people get left behind. So we've been exploring what this looks like for us on a personal level as well as corporately and it's why we dove so deeply into the idea of Sabbath and rest by talking about it every day for the whole of Lent. So in the pattern of our year, we typically spend a term looking at up our relationship with God, in our identity and our relationships with each other and out our relationships with those outside of our church community out is about mission and that's where we are this term. So our passage today is from John 15 and it's one we often use to talk about our rhythm of rest and work. So we've been talking quite specifically about rest and Sabbath but now we're moving on to mission and to fruitfulness. What do we mean by fruit? What do we even mean by mission? So I will read to us and then we'll try and dig in. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. In this passage, Jesus is giving us an extended metaphor about fruits and vines and pruning and remaining. It's quite a familiar section of teaching to us, but in that, it's also quite intuitive. It doesn't map onto our lives with an obvious set of step-by-step instructions. So to have a look at some of the context of this passage, Jesus is speaking to his disciples during the Last Supper. Either side of these chapters of teaching, we have Jesus washing his disciples' feet and then being arrested. So we have a really clear indication of when in the timeline Jesus was speaking. So this means that we know he was talking to his disciples in full knowledge of what he was about to go through on the way to the cross, and what they were about to experience in seeming to lose him. Jesus is speaking into the future of the church in the hope that his followers would build well. He's giving instructions on how to build well and how to live in a way that produces fruit and life rather than emptiness. And the key word which Jesus repeats 11 times in a mere five verses is remain. Remain in me, remain in my love, over and over again. If we go back to the Greek, remain comes from the word meno, which has a number of English translations. As well as remain, it means abide and dwell. So more than simply happening to stay or remain somewhere, there's an active choice to dwell and abide and live inside something. And this is so important for us to take hold of. We get to choose to live inside the love and presence of God. That is the place of flourishing and fruitfulness for us. That is how we can be living branches attached to Jesus, who is the true vine. The word meno, as well as meaning remain, can also mean continue. We have a continuous choice to look towards Jesus and to seek our identity and affirmation and fulfilment from him. We have a continuous choice about where we live. Are we living in Jesus or are we living somewhere else? And as Jesus tells us in this passage, this is a two-way exchange. The gift that we get in choosing to abide in Jesus is that he abides in us. In him, we get life and life to the full, as he tells us in John chapter 10. If our hearts and minds are set elsewhere, if we are abiding elsewhere, the consequence is clear. We become dry and lifeless. And I think we're in danger of being in that dry and lifeless place. We are in danger of exchanging a whole life of juicy faith for a dried up stick. Because instead of abiding in Jesus and turning to him daily, we expect Sunday mornings to fill all of our spiritual needs. We place the entire weight of our discipleship journey on a Sunday morning. We expect our worship leaders to stir our passion in the presence of Holy Spirit. We expect our teachers to enlighten us in God's word in new and dazzling ways. We expect our service leaders to guide us and hear God's voice for us and lead us in prayer and intercession. We expect the staff team to disciple us and our children and our grandchildren and our grandparents and everyone in between. We expect to be filled and fed in this one space, and I hate to break it to you. That's not really how this works. I think we imagine ourselves to be like cars. You fill a car with petrol, and it runs around, steadily and consistently working until the tank is empty. You refill the tank, and off you go, consistent and steady. But honestly, we're a bit more like cars with holes in the fuel tanks. Without even taking into into account any kind of significant difficulty or trauma, daily life is grinding. It wears away at us with its noise and its bustle. Life makes holes in our fuel tanks, and trauma just steals the fuel. We run empty so, so quickly. We need daily rhythms of placing ourselves in God's presence so that we can be refreshed and fruitful. Because we know how to sustain and nourish ourselves in a physical, practical sense. We know that to function, we need to eat three times a day, probably with some snacks. This is what we need every single day. And there was a time in my life when I was only eating a couple of times a week, and that wasn't a healthy rhythm, that was an eating disorder. And we do the same to ourselves spiritually if we try and gorge on the things of God for one day a week and place ourselves in famine every other day. We can choose poverty where God's heart is for fruit and plentiful harvest. And fruit in this context is our personal flourishing and the flourishing of the world and creation as a whole. The fruit is just so good. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. What would it look like for you to dwell in God more this week? What would it look like for you to add some more spiritual meals to your life? The joy of community is that if we don't have an answer, we can go and ask someone else. There's always someone a little bit further along the journey than we are. I can tell you some of my stories, but some of them are sort of relatively specific to student life or first entering the workplace and how you find God in that. Some of them are super specific about how you find the presence of God in the middle of a a coffee shift when you think you might just die because there's so much coffee to be made. If you're in the trenches of parenting a newborn and find someone who's, Sorry. If you're in the trenches of parenting a newborn... Find someone whose children are a bit older or entirely grown up and ask them how they did it. How did they remain an abiding God through a haze of sleep deprivation? Or if you're retired and have found yourself busier than you've ever been in your life, which seems to be a pattern, find someone with a bit more wisdom and ask how you do it. We can choose to stay humble and teachable and also willing to teach If you found a key that has unlocked a door in your life that has allowed more of God's presence in, why not be willing to share it? Show someone the journey and bring them along with you. As a general principle, I found that if you look, there are always windows somewhere. It might be that the first window you find is tiny, like the two minutes you spend cleaning your teeth. You could listen to the Bible as an audiobook or prop it up and read it as you're brushing. Two minutes in the morning, two before bed. And that's four whole minutes every day of choosing to abide in God. You could listen to worship music or a teaching podcast on the school run or on your commute. You could introduce a practice of thankfulness to God around a meal table. Each of those is a step towards remaining in God on a daily basis. As I've lived out and introduced these practices in my life, I found that each one makes me hungrier for him. The more I experience and know of God, the more I long for him and the more space I try and make for him. Because I long for God to breathe and dwell and live in every corner of my life. And I long for that for each of us. There will always be a reason not to spend time with God. There will always be a distraction, a reason not to seek out stillness and not to seek his presence. Many of us carry around uh, distraction monsters in our pockets. You might also know it as a smartphone. But the truth is, we have an enemy who is interested in our distraction and our busyness. He delights in it. He loves it when we choose the dried up stick instead of juicy fruit. He loves it when we choose ourselves a famine instead of the daily bread that God offers us. Because when we are dry and empty and disconnected from God, we cannot do what we've been called to. If we return to the second half of our reading, Jesus says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. But everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. We have been chosen and appointed and sent. If we are not dwelling and remaining and abiding in God, then we can do nothing. We cannot engage in mission if we are a dry stick instead of a flourishing vine. When we're abiding in Jesus, we're so much more aware of the ways that he is abiding in us. We carry him into every situation we enter. We bring his transforming life and light and hope everywhere we go. And that is the fruit that we're talking about. We're trying to do mission or be missional or live a missional life, whatever verb you want to use. If we're trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world without Jesus then whose kingdom are we even trying to build? If we don't have an active relationship with Jesus, if we don't know who he is, then who are we introducing people to? Without Jesus, we burn up and we burn out. We don't walk in the truth of our identity as children of God. We walk as slaves and not the friends that Jesus calls us. In any job I've been in, including this one, there have been whole chunks of it that I can do in my own strength and effort. I'm stubborn and I have a tendency to overwork, and with enough effort, I can do a whole lot of things. But that path always leads me to burnout and exhaustion. And I really should know better. I get to live in a better way. We all do. For me, doing this job has been stretching and challenging. And in August, I would have been in post for two years. And I have this internal tape that plays, and it tells me that I should be perfect in all areas of the role by now. And that is a harsh and painful voice to listen to. And it reminds me of all the times I feel I've let someone down. And it gets louder when I'm not abiding in Jesus, and when I'm not taking time with him. But when I listen to him, he is kind, and he is gentle, and somehow he roars like a lion, and he drowns out the nonsense. We get to live in fruit, because Jesus tenderly invites us to dwell and abide in him, to allow him to be our source and our sustainer. As he gave this teaching, he knew that the disciples were about to see him go to the cross. He knew that they would scatter across the earth and start the church and build his kingdom, and he knew that the only way they could do that was if they remained connected to him always, daily, hour by hour, We can use a lot of big words to talk about mission. There's a missiologist called Alan Hirsch. He studies theology and mission and he's ferociously clever and ferociously passionate about Jesus. He says that mission is when we, as God's people, involve ourselves with the eternal purposes of God in this world to redeem it to himself. Or the Anglican Communion defines mission with five marks. Number one, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Two, to teach, baptise and nurture new believers. Three, to respond to human need by loving service. Four, to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind and pursue peace and reconciliation. And five, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. Or I ask some of our local leaders this week what they thought mission was and they talked about building God's kingdom about bringing his love and transformation to people who have turned away about getting outside of the church walls and there is wisdom and goodness in all of those places but for me the simplest definition of mission comes straight from Jesus in verse 17 of our reading this is my command love each other we get to take that and run with it love each other Love people who are not yourself, put other people first, whether we know them or whether we don't. Pray for them, bring them dinner, provide a roof, share the daily bread that God has given us. Love each other, one by one, by one, by one. At the end of the day, as Martin Luther put it, we are all mere beggars, showing other beggars where to find bread. The bread, the vine, whatever metaphor we want to use this all comes back to Jesus and the best thing I can ever do is point you straight back to him gathered Sundays are great and this morning has been so rich and so beautiful but this is only one part of the picture and we would be doing you a disservice if we told you otherwise because the goodness and the richness of God is available available to us every day he is the same yesterday, today and forever We will leave this building later, but we need never move away from Jesus. We get to walk with him every day of our lives and go to a world that is desperate for his touch. We have the immense privilege of bringing Jesus with us to every person and every place. The more we know him, the more we know he is the best news we'll ever have. And the less sense it makes to only talk to him once a week or keep him inside this building. Very shortly, we will come to the communion table for our family meal. This is a mystery that feeds us physically and spiritually. It's a tangible reminder of God's grace. When I asked God about a response for us today, he simply said, receive my grace. So my prayer for us this morning is this, that whether this talk, the sung worship, the service, even the coffee whether any of it has been any good at all, I pray that we would receive the grace of God, that we would somehow understand it a fraction more, and that we would show someone else where to find bread. Amen.